Good morning, ladies. So happy to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> I know it's hard when you're sitting here, but if you do have your Bibles and you want to head on over to Ruth, that'd be great. Um, we're going to camp out there today. And FYI, um, we're just having a little technical difficulties, so it's just me. No PowerPoint today. I'm sorry, it won't, it won't it's, just, it's just not being our friend today. So we're just going to roll with it, and um, it's just us. So why don't we pray before we start, and then we'll get going. Our great God and Father, we just thank you for this morning. No matter how it went for each of us getting here, thank you that we are here. We pray that your words of truth will wash over us, that we may know you better, cause us our hearts to love you more, that we may obey you, that we may become more like Christ. We thank you for your words. In Christ's name, amen. So this week, we were studying about refinement, right? Refining. And sometimes that can have a little bit of a, a nice when something is refined, when it's all done, then it's really nice, right? Um, but when we're going through the process of refinement or refining, sometimes it's not as fun. Uh, it can be a much tougher word. I think actually that, uh, I think we're kind of in the refinement process for our whole lives, don't you? Every day is an opportunity. Every day is a time, there'll be times throughout our day when we will be being refined. And I just think, uh, th this process is often referenced when it's talk about purifying metals, purifying silver specifically, when they heat it up really, really hot, hotter than we can even imagine, and then there's this layer that comes on, on the top, and it's called the dross. And that's the part they want to get rid of, a nice way to say that definition for dross is impurities or waste or foreign matter. But there is just a little bit more clarity in this one definition that I came across this week. Dross, the scum or unwanted material that forms on the surface of molten metal. Yep. Ladies, when God is refining us and the fire and that heat and all that dross that comes to the top, that's, that's scum. That's the gross stuff that we want to get rid of. That's, that's the stuff that comes from when, when that stuff is moved away, when the scum is taken off the top, then you could see the pretty shiny underneath. That's refinement. But I find that, that in this whole thing, 
That, that foreign matter, the impurities, the scum, that doesn't belong in us. God doesn't want that in us, right? That's the stuff he came to, to take away and to clear off so that we could look more like Christ. This is no joke. This is a painful and difficult thing when my life heats up so much that we really see what's in there right? We don't want anybody else to see it. And we sure as heck don't even want to take much time to look in the mirror to see it. I don't know about you, but I don't. It's not my favorite thing. But I think we saw a little bit of dross this week in Ruth. In the book of Ruth, I should say, not Ruth herself. Uh, Maybe a little bit in Naomi. But I just want us to think about that. Because here's, here's the thing, ladies. With God in the process of refining your heart and my heart, he's got to remove that dross, right? He's got to get it out of the way. He's got to bring it to the top. Because if it stays mixed in, it's never going to get out. So it's the stuff that heats us up in life that brings that dross to the top, that the Lord may then come in his mercy and his tenderness and his grace, draw it off the top, scoop it out, so that when we're looking inside, he sees just a little bit more like Jesus. That's our goal. That's the heart of what he has for us. And we know that it is only by his spirit that this will happen. It's all his goodness. It's all that when we get that knowledge and that love of him, that fills us up. And there's no room for the ugly. So that's what we're looking at today. And something that I just want to keep us to keep in mind over this whole thing as we look at um, Ruth today is that God, through the whole refining process, through our whole life, he is ever present. He is faithful and true. He will not leave you. He will not leave that fire unattended that's bringing the dross to the surface. He is with you. He is with me. He is faithful and true to his word. And we're going to look and see what he is teaching us today that will help us to remind us of that. And we're going to start in Ruth um, chapter 1 verse 6. And she arose, this is Naomi, with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. Some of your verses might have said that the Lord had come to the aid of his people or that he had taken care of his people, giving them food. As you'll remember, Ruth is happening here at the time of the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Remember? And if you remember when Rhonda was telling us about that cycle during that time that the Israelites would follow God, but then they would drift away. And then war or famine or um, occupation would come. And it would drive the people back to God, and they would plead with him for his mercy, and he would, of course, listen, right? And that they would follow him for a period, and then they would start turning away again. 
Does it sound familiar to you? Unfortunately, it sounded a little too familiar to me. So here we are. Remember, famine had prompted Elimelech to move his family to Moab. Well, now Naomi hears that the Lord has come to the aid of his people. He has not forgotten. He is a faithful God, and he has brought food. He's given food to the Israelites. They have crops again. There is no more famine. And so Naomi is going to return. And I just wanted us to remember, I mean, we don't know how long, uh, but remember just in the verses that we were reading, uh, Naomi, they moved and Elimelech died, and then it said that her sons married Moabite wives, and they were there about 10 years, right? So I don't know how long it was before Elimelech died, or if, if the timing of the 10 years was, oh, the sons got married and then they were there 10 years, you, you know? But, but let's just take 10 years. That's a long time with no food, right? Give or take. It's a long time with no food. And how easy it would be in those times of drought and famine, don't you think? Maybe in your life, I know in mine, when I start to wonder, is God there? Is he faithful? Does he even remember my name? Yes. Yes, he is there. Yes, he is faithful. His timing is not our timing. But it shows just right here, and I just wanted us to have that. I want our roots to go deep in that truth, ladies, that God is always present and he is always faithful. And this verse just reminds us that the Lord visited his people. He took care of his people in giving them food. So they go. They start to leave. Naomi is returning to her homeland with her daughters-in-law. They are going with her. And these next verses I see as a classic struggle process in, in our life of refinement as we are looking at um, these next verses here. So she departed from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return, each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. We're obviously going to be studying that Naomi uh, uh, wants to change her name to Bitter, right? We know that's coming. But that hasn't come yet in this verse. And even if that is a classic struggle in our heart that I see, Lord, you're not listening. Lord, you're not with me. But where does she go? She, she's encouraging her daughters-in-law to, to go back to their home, to be parted from her forever. And what does she leave them with? What is the best thing she could leave them with? The only thing that she has. It's the goodness of God. The best thing that she could leave them with. 
May the Lord deal kindly with you. She knows the truth that God is good and that God is kind and that it is he who is the one who would bring blessing to their life and great kindness. And that is what her hope is for them, that the Lord in his great love would extend that to, his, to her daughters-in-law. And may the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. May the Lord grant. She knows that goodness, all good things come from the hand of God. That's what she wants to give these women who are so precious to her. Even in the midst of her pain and loss. She can't quite all the way walk away or turn her back on God because she knows in the very depths of her soul that it is him, that it is God who gives all the good things, that he has kindness to give and to bestow. And she calls on that for these women who she loves so dearly. In that time, I just wanted you to know that this, I w when I was studying, when she said that the Lord may, um, that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. In those days, it wasn't common for a woman to have a profession. It was very important that they marry and that they come under the care of a, of a husband who would be able to care for them and provide for them, that they would have somewhere to live. When this was not the case, it was a lot of unease and unrest. There were so many laws that provided for widows to be taken care of by the next of kin, or it was, but it was a scary place to be, not to be under some protection. In today's day and age, that might seem common or, or un uncommon or archaic or might even... Um, bring up some, oh, that bugs me, feelings. But this, that time was not this time. And so for her to wish that the, uh, just pray that the Lord would grant that you find rest, that, that you would be at peace, that you would be cared for, it was a beautiful thing that she was hoping for her daughters-in-law as she knew that she could not provide that for them in any way. She had nothing to offer them in that way. Nothing at all. It had all been taken from her. And I just think that that, that is just something that we, we need to keep in mind in our times of refinement. Sometimes I think it's a struggle, don't you? Sometimes we could be on this end, Lord, where are you? Do you even care? But then here, don't, don't lose hold of what you know to be true. Lord, I know you are good. I know that all good things, just where else could I go but to you? Here's Naomi, where, what else could she offer her daughters-in-law? The very best of things is the goodness of God. So on their way to, to saying their goodbyes, which are so difficult. Some of you have said that you have moved. 
you have left, maybe you've had kids go away to college, maybe you've had dear friends move across the country, maybe you've had to say goodbye to, to loved ones. Goodbyes are, are never easy. I had uh, wanted to just share a couple pictures of you of uh, some of our family's goodbyes. I have the sweetest picture of my Katrina, who is number two of my two girls. I have two girls and two boys. I don't know if I had shared that. Markel and Katrina are born first, and then the boys, Cole and Cade, were next. And um, it was just the sweetest picture when we had to drop Katrina off, and she's just hugging her dad, and he just has his head just so close to her. You could see a little tear coming down his, his sweet face. And... Um, I just love that. It's just the beauty of great love. And often great love brings great pain when we have to leave those that we love. And that's what was going on here. There was a lot, it was a very, very emotional goodbye. And I thought, how sweet is that? (laughs) That these girls did not want to leave their mothers-in-law. Wow, I don't know. I, I got to stop right there. I just can't, I just, just wow, that's all. I'm just going to go with wow. But I just think how, how precious is that? What does that say about how Naomi loved those, loved Orpah and loved Ruth? They were a family. They were, they were a home together. Their hearts had been knit together. They were so sad to leave. And here she thinks she's doing the best thing for them. Go back to your families where you can remarry and get started and and have a life because I have nothing to offer you. And so in this, she does what she hopes is just the very best thing for them. She doesn't want her fate to befall on them because at this point, she has nothing. She didn't even have any prospects of how she's going to take care of herself, much less them. And so here in these verses, we see the conflict in her heart where, at the begin- where just above, she was re- reminding them that it was the Lord who deals kindly, that it was the Lord who would grant them rest. And she says... She tells them that she doesn't have any sons coming. She, she has nothing. And then she says at the end of verse 13, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And we hear that other side of the struggle. He has forgotten me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care for me. And isn't this our constant in our times of refinement, in our life? I want to encourage us to keep going back to what we know to be true. Because in this, in this verse here, this is where I think we're seeing the dross. She's feeling the enormity of everything she has. She does lost. She doesn't know that, one, that Ruth is going to go with her. She's lost a husband. She's lost sons. She's lost money. She's lost food. She's lost any opportunity for care. She has nowhere to lay her head. She has no way to provide for herself or her daughters-in-law. And now they're going to leave. And she is alone. She is at the pit. She is at the bottom. 
And so she's having trouble seeing how the Lord's hand is still with her. And I think that these verses from Ruth, Ruth's words here, I wonder if they were comfort at some point, a little balm for her soul. Because here is what Ruth says. Orpah goes back to her family and to her gods. The Moabites worship many gods, not Yahweh, not the true God. But Naomi tells Ruth, go back. Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You go too. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death parts you with me. How beautiful. How beautiful are those words. I can't believe that they didn't bring some hope to Naomi. I am not alone. I don't know if she was in a place where she would be able to say, thank you, Lord, even. But Ruth saying, I'll go with you. I will lodge with you. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. She is leaving. Can we even begin to imagine the enormity of what Ruth is leaving? Maybe if you have moved, you would have, have some idea of this, but still we have phones and FaceTime. Ruth is leaving her family. She is leaving her culture. She is saying that I am leaving all the gods, everything I have known that I have been raised with, all the, the things that I thought were true. I'm putting that all aside. And when she said, I will die where you will die and I will be buried where you were, are buried, many times it was customary that even if uh, people died in one place, they would take them to their homeland to be buried because it was so important to be with those that, that were of your tribe or of your people. And Ruth is, in essence, saying, even if I die, I, I'm not even going to go back to be, I will be buried by where you are. You're, you, I am all in. I am all in. The next part of the verse said, and when she saw that she was determined to go with her, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. And I just try to picture the scene of Naomi just feeling so in the pit. And then Ruth speaks these words of life and hope. And Naomi just doesn't even have anything to say. I don't know, I, I kind of feel just reading that like, wow, 
I had just said that the Lord had gone, his hand had gone forth against me, and now here I see a provision, or who knows, but I could feel the conflict in her. And it just made me think, maybe just she saw for a moment that maybe the Lord hadn't left her alone. Maybe she remembered his faithfulness and that he was always with her. And then it made me think, in those times that are dark in my life, those times when I feel so alone, do I miss his presence? Do I miss his faithfulness? Do I miss the ways that he is coming alongside and showing me his great love for me? Because my perspective is so focused on everything I don't have or what I'm missing out on or how wronged I was. that I miss seeing his presence right there and what he has provided. And although Naomi had God's provision with her in the flesh, Ruth, she could not see it. My prayer for me, my prayer for you, is that when we're going through those times, that Lord, show me, open my eyes that I may see that you are with me, you are ever-present, you are faithful. Even when the heat is turned up so high and the dross is really thick on the top, help me see the goodness of your hand in my life. So they proceed on they returned, Naomi returned with Ruth. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? All the city was stirred. Now remember back to when they left. They, she left with a husband and two sons. They were just sojourning, so that means they were just kind of visiting. Remember, that's kind of what sojourning was. But they had been gone for more a long time. I'm sure people were stirred for many reasons. But Naomi comes back, but she doesn't have her husband. And she doesn't have her sons. Naomi's life looks very different from when she left. People could put two and two together, friends. Naomi left with a lot, and now she has no husband, no sons, she has no money, she has no way to provide for herself. They know what that meant. When a woman, when a widow is left unprotected, they know what that means. She's destitute. And part of them may be stunned. Is this Naomi? How could this be? Wow, so picture this. You're Naomi. 
You're already feeling in the pit. And now you're coming back to the only place you know, which would be some comfort. At least you know uh, these people. But all the way, it's a long journey. Can you feel the conflict in her heart? She's got God's provision with her, but she can't see it. She's wrestling with that bitterness in her of everything that she's going back with. I don't know what was going on in her heart, but I do know how she reacted to the question. Is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. I wonder if she had just had it. If she had just come to the end and then coming back into this situation for people who knew and who knew how she lived and who knew how her life was. I'm sure there was great pain and bitterness and maybe some embarrassment. Maybe some shame, some humiliation to come back utterly forlorn at the bottom of the bottom. And her reaction to all this pain is bitterness and a reaction. And we see some more dross. I'm not blaming her. I'm just looking. She's human. We all, <laughs> loss hurts no matter in what form it comes. We want to go away and hide. But the whole town is looking at her. The whole town is stirred. Everybody is saying, is this Naomi? I, I mean, uh, you just want to crawl in a hole. And she lashes out against God and her bitterness. Having such bitterness in her heart Bitterness does that to our hearts, ladies, and our minds, and our souls. It just breaks us. It makes us brittle and ready to crumble. Now, bitterness tries to show a tough face because when we speak out of bitterness and anger, they're usually words that are harsh and they're, they're meant to be tough, right? But the truth is, bitterness breaks us inside. It makes our hearts small. And it makes our perspective warped. And if we don't cry out to the Lord to get the dross out and to take it away, that dross just sits on top of our heart. That scum just sits on top of our heart and covers it in waste. And we waste our energy fixating on what we resent 
and we waste our relationships because they are colored by our bitter words and our anger. And we pull away and we spiral down. Ladies, let us not sit in the waste and impurity of bitterness. We had that verse in Ephesians this week. Do you remember where it said, get rid of all bitterness and malice and all that? I I hope I circled in my Bible um, or in my lesson, I drew a big box around the word all. He didn't put get a little bit, get rid of a little bit of that bitterness. Just get a little bit of that dross off just so you can see a corner of of the silver. All, all. How are we gonna do that? We're not gonna do it without our great God. We're not gonna do it without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And when we come to him with our sin and we, and we throw our lives down before him and he forgives us and we have forgiveness in Christ, we are set free. He has a spirit in us, the very spirit of God in us to change us, to make us more like Christ, to get rid of that dross. Let us remember, when you clean out your cupboards, when you get rid of stuff, if you don't put something good in there, what's going to fill your cupboard back up? It's just the law. I don't know. It just is what happens. More junk will get in there, right? Encourage you, look in your groups this week, um, in your little groups, because we were in 431, where it says, get rid of all bitterness, wrath, and all that. And verse 32, we want to look at verse 32, because what are we supposed to put in there instead? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's it, ladies. That's how we get rid of the dross. We get it off. The the Spirit of God lifts it off. And then we ask him, Lord, put in this tenderheartedness toward toward that person that I'm being bitter toward, Uh, forgiving, kind, reminding me that you have forgiven me in Jesus Christ. That is my hope. That is my hope for today, and it is my hope for eternity. That God is with us, that he will never leave us. That is our hope, ladies, over and over. That is what we want to sink our roots into. Our God is faithful and true and ever-present, and he can be trusted. He is our strongest ally. He is for us. He is not against us. He is coming alongside you. He is whispering in your ear in your pain. I am with you. I love you. You are not alone. I have given you my son. Your soul is safe in me. Rejoice in that. Look up. Remember what you know to be true. Ladies, as we, as we go on this week and we re- remember that God brings hope, and in those last verses, uh, verse 22 through verse 
too. We see the hope coming. We know it because we're sitting here. Naomi doesn't know it yet, but we know it. God is faithful. They came at the beginning of barley harvest. I learned this week that when they would harvest, the barley matures first and then the wheat. So they're right there at the beginning of the huge harvest. They haven't missed anything. She gets to help, um, we'll learn about gleaning later, but she gets to harvest the barley and then the wheat. Seeing again, God has been faithful. He has provided. And we love the part that says, and now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. It's coming. God has not forgotten. He is faithful. He is providing even when we cannot see. And in that time, he wants us to be refined. Ladies, when the heat of life is turned up and your dross is rising to the surface, remember, Lord, help take that, let's call it what it is, take the scum away, the ugliness away that we may see the shine of Jesus Christ coming through. And here is what we will sink our roots into as we leave for today. The truth that God is faithful and ever-present in all the times of refinement, which is our whole life. He is the only one. Listen to this, Psalm 62. May I read it over you as we close? Psalm 62, five through eight. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all time, O oh ladies. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. May you find hope in the fact that God loves you. He is ever present with you and faithful and true through all your times of refinement. Amen.